Welcome to The Gallopod, with me, Gallop Lysidia. In this episode, I'm reading part four of my fic, Can I Tell You Something? If you're not here for dry fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Content warning, this story deals with drug addiction, primarily with MDMA, cocaine and alcohol. I hope you enjoy Can I Tell You Something? Chapter 10 Harry, asked Hermione, are you okay? I have to, he said distractedly. He called Draco. Draco didn't pick up. He called again. Still no answer. He texted. Draco, pick up. Draco did not pick up. Draco, come on, I'm freaking out. Draco called him. Draco! Hey, Harry, sorry about that, said Draco, sounding perfectly friendly and normal. I shouldn't have showed up unannounced like that. Where are you? asked Harry. Little Venice, said Draco. I'm coming. No, don't, Harry, you have friends over. They're just leaving, said Harry. Ron and Hermione exchanged looks and got the flu powder down from the mantelpiece. Seriously, stay put, said Draco. I'm sorry I sent all those texts, I was just being dramatic. I'm a performer, you know how theatrical I get. I've never been to Little Venice, said Harry. Hermione gave him an encouraging little wave as she and Ron stepped into the fireplace and flew away. You're not missing anything, said Draco. Honestly, Harry, don't come, I mean it. Just tell me where you are, said Harry. So Draco told him, and a minute later Harry was striding along a canal. Draco sat on a bench, smoking a cigarette. Harry sat next to him. Are you still feeling gravy? he asked, when it became apparent that Draco was neither going to look at him nor speak. Draco nodded, and Harry noticed that he was holding a small green notebook in his lap. Dean shouldn't have given that to you, said Harry. He was worried Luna would burn it. It has his drawings in it. He flicked through the notebook with one hand. It was crowded with Dean's small blue handwriting and with dark, unsettling ink drawings. I don't think you'll feel like this forever, said Harry. Draco sighed. Do you get cravings often? asked Harry. They've been getting better. Draco tucked his hair behind one ear. It's just frustrating. Other people can get a little drunk on a Saturday night without it destroying their lives. They can take a break from themselves. I doubt they see it like that, said Harry. It probably is the escaping part that's bad anyway. Draco nodded absently. You should... you should go, he said. I don't want to, said Harry. Draco's Adam's apple moved up and down conspicuously. I may have done something stupid, he said. He put out his cigarette on the ground in front of him, then took out a tissue, wrapped up the stub, and pocketed it, since there wasn't a bin nearby. I didn't fall in love with him because he doesn't litter, Harry reminded himself. But then he remembered being high, and finding Draco smoking out of a window, and noticing that Draco looked for an empty bin to throw the stub away, and he wondered if maybe he had fallen for Draco Malfoy because he didn't litter. I do stupid things all the time, said Harry. Draco's mouth stretched into a tight smile. Yes, well, he said. There was a cracking sound behind them. Ah, that will be my stupid thing, said Draco. Draco, said a girl. She wore uneven cat-eye eyeliner, a plastic tiara, and boots made out of shaggy fake fur. I thought you were dead, baby. Anika, said Draco, standing. Holy shit, said Anika. Is that Harry Potter? Hi, said Harry, waving uncomfortably. Anika looked from him to Draco. Does he do coke? I did not know. Uh, no, said Harry. 
You look good, baby, said Anika. She climbed over the bench and scooped Draco into a hug. She was sweating a lot, as if she had been dancing. Did you want to buy something? Draco glanced at Harry, who kept his face carefully impassive from his perch on the iron arm of the bench. I've got some crazy pure Colombian shit just in, said Anika. She cast a quick spell so that no one could see them, then got out a small baggie of white powder. Here, gum it. Draco looked at Harry again. Harry didn't say anything. Draco licked a finger and dipped it delicately into the baggie. It came out coated in white powder. He rubbed it into his gums. He closed his eyes. God, he breathed. Good, right? Fuck, said Draco. I miss the taste. Have you been sober, doll? Three years. Wow, you deserve a little something-something for that, she said. She handed him the baggie. Have it! Draco stared at it. How much? You can get me next time, she said, waving him off. Draco looked at Harry again. Harry stared straight ahead. I... said Draco. His fingers flattened the powder through the plastic. They were trembling. He frowned. How have you been? He asked Anika. Great, yeah, 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 I feel right. Sad about Dominic, do you hear about Dominic? Mohawk Dom. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What happened to him? Oh, deed, she said. He'd been sober and then relapsed, so his tolerance was low. Her eyes grew warm with concern. You be careful with that, yeah? Draco held the baggie delicately. He looked at Harry. Harry didn't say anything. Actually, Anika, said Draco. I think I'll give it a miss this time. Very, very slowly, he held the baggie out to her. You sure? Just take it, he snapped. She did. Draco followed the baggie with his eyes as she tucked it into her bra. Anything else I can get you, baby? she asked. Draco handed her a galleon. I just wanted to see you, he said. Here's your time. Ah, keep it, she said, smiling. You're such a gentleman. Michael's a lucky man. I'm not... Michael married someone else, a girl. Oh, I'm so sorry, said Anika. I know how you loved him. Loved, repeated Draco, with a tense laugh. You'll find someone else, said Anika. Draco laughed again. Thanks for coming out, Anika. Any time, doll. I've missed you. Hey, there's a crazy shindig this Saturday at the Magic Warehouse in Camden. One of my friends is bringing mescaline. Ever tried mescaline? Yes, said Draco. Shit, really? Yes. Anika smiled admiringly. You've done everything, literally, she said. <laughs> said Draco. Anyway, you should come on Saturday. I... Draco looked at Harry. Do you and I have plans, Saturday, Harry? Harry paused before answering. They hadn't talked about doing anything on Saturday. Yeah, he said. We have plans. So, said Draco, turning to Anika. I can't go. Next time then, said Anika. Okay, well, I'm staying with this stupid rich kid, so I'd better get back. I'm a stupid rich kid, said Draco. Anika kissed him on the cheek. Nah, you're a sweetheart. See you around, Draco. Really proud of you for getting straight. She giggled. I mean... I know what you mean, said Draco. See you around, Anika. Anika turned to Harry. Hey, thank you for saving the world and all that. Let me know if you ever want to try anything, and I'll give you the best deal. Uh, thanks, said Harry. Anika disapparated. Draco sank back into the bench, twitching. How come you didn't try to stop me? He asked. I trusted you, said Harry. 
Draco laughed. That's fucking ridiculous. I was right though, wasn't I? said Harry. Draco tossed Dean's address book at him. You keep it, he said. Okay, said Harry. Don't let Dean have it back for a few years, until the contracts are out of date. Okay, said Harry. I'll probably try and get it off you before then, said Draco. Maybe you will, said Harry. Maybe you won't. Draco tilted his head back and sniffed. Harry wanted to kiss him so badly. He reminded himself of how Draco had said, loved, as if the idea of using the past tense with reference to his feelings about Michael was absurd. Can you be honest with me? said Draco. Harry nodded. Draco wasn't looking at him, but Harry knew that he saw. Do you spend time with me just to punish yourself? asked Draco. What? asked Harry, his throat dry. Is it like a survivor's guilt thing? said Draco. Harry wondered how he could tell Draco he loved him without actually saying that he loved him. No, he said, desperately ineloquent. Weasley didn't know where... Whatever this is, said Draco. Friends, said Harry. Draco raised his eyebrows. I don't tell Ron and Hermione about important things, said Harry. Important things, repeated Draco. Harry nodded. Draco looked at him. Why did you write me all those letters? he asked. I don't want to talk about it, said Harry. Draco continued to look at him. Fair enough, he said, finally. He broke eye contact to stare at the canal. A muscle in his jaw was going. I'll end up calling her again tonight, you know. No, you won't, said Harry. I will. I would have taken the coke too if you weren't there. So stay over at mine tonight, said Harry, like a total fucking martyr. Draco's head jerked up. Really? Why not, said Harry, with the giddy laugh of the condemned. Draco swallowed. Thanks. Yeah, that'd be... Thanks. Harry laughed again. What? asked Draco. We ordered takeout and then fled the premises, said Harry. You devious criminal, said Draco. Yeah, seriously. Draco was doing this strange thing with his fingers where he tapped each one in turn against his thumb, fluttery quick. I'm sorry I came over like that, he said. I felt like such a burk when I realised I'd blown your cover. It wasn't... I didn't have a cover. I'm glad you came over. You can always come over. I should have just... I'm just... I'm sorry, said Draco. Draco, said Harry, taking one of Draco's fluttering, jumping hands. It stilled in his grasp, hot and sweaty. Any time. I'm serious. I'm sorry I didn't see your text earlier. Draco laughed, slightly brokenly. I must have sounded absolutely mental. No more than usual, said Harry, grinning and dropping Draco's hand. Draco swatted him. Twat, he said. All right, let's go rescue your curry. Harry gave Draco the room opposite his, and after Draco watched him eat dinner, my mouth is numb, said Draco. Harry turned off the lights and tried to sleep. Chapter 11 He could hear Draco pacing around in his room, occasionally making pained, frustrated noises, as if he were trying and failing to think through some complicated mathematical equation. Harry wondered what Draco wore to bed. After about 45 minutes of this, Harry knocked on his door. Draco opened it almost immediately. He was still fully dressed. 
I'm sorry, am I being noisy? he asked. I can go home. No, said Harry. He barged past Draco into the room. It was littered with scraps of paper. Draco held a tortured sheet of stationery and twisted it anxiously in his hands. He hastily vanished the paper on the floor when he saw Harry looking at it. Sorry, he said. I'm just a bit, uh, pent up. Can't you sleep? asked Harry. Draco had started ripping the paper up in his hands again, shedding bits of it onto the floor. It didn't seem as if he knew he was doing it. It's just, um, that I, uh, remember to contact Anika, he said. So it's, uh, I'm trying to think of other things. All right, said Harry, sighing. Come and sleep in my room. Draco looked instantly relieved. Really? That would be... Because I can't summon her if you're there, obviously. Or at least I think I'd be less likely to, so it would be... Are you sure it's all right? Yeah, said Harry. Come on. Draco followed him happily, shedding bits of paper as he walked. Harry took what was left of the sheet out of Draco's hands when they got to his bedroom. Were you writing someone a letter or something? he asked. Maybe Draco sent Michael letters. Maybe Michael answered back. Maybe three years from now, Michael would show up on Draco's doorstep. In the rain, sure, why not? And say, I made a mistake. And Draco would smile properly for the first time in his life and throw his arms around Michael's neck as the music swelled and the rain stopped and the credits rolled. Harry refocused his attention on Draco. No, Draco was saying. I needed something to do with my hands. It's something Hugo taught me. Paper ripping? Something to do with my hands. Harry decided not to inquire further. This was already a disaster. No need for Draco to start describing how Hugo had weaned him off cocaine through the transformative power of his massive cock. Draco climbed into Harry's bed, still fully clothed. Want to borrow something to sleep in? asked Harry. Oh, said Draco. All right. He blushed when Harry passed him a t-shirt and flannel pyjama bottoms. Have you got anything long-sleeved? Draco... I've literally paid money to see you naked before. I don't care about your mark. Draco blushed, if anything, even harder. I care, he said. My long-sleeved ones are in the wash, said Harry. He caught Draco's eye. Draco, it's fine. Draco nodded and slowly started to undress. Harry turned away. Now he thought about it, Draco always wore long sleeves. The only time Harry had seen his mark had been during Draco's burlesque performances. He heard Draco get into bed and allowed himself to turn around. Draco had already put his arms under the covers. Harry turned off the light and got into bed as well. They both lay on their sides, facing each other. Harry could barely make out Draco's features in the dark. What was in Minnesota? he asked. What? You sent me a postcard from Minnesota. Oh, said Draco. Clementine was going there to visit her cousin. I asked her to send it for me. I knew you'd find me if I sent it from London. I assumed it was like a rehab place, said Harry. I didn't go to rehab. Then how? Draco dipped his nose quickly beneath the covers, as if he were embarrassed. I just, uh, quit. He paused. I mean, Hugo was already taking a risk, offering a random guy off the streets a place to stay. He would have kicked me out if he'd caught me using. So. Harry's eyes were adjusting to the light. He could make out Draco's slim nose, the long cut across his eye. That's pretty impressive, said Harry. It, uh, it was hard, said Draco. It's still hard, seems like, 
said Harry. Yeah, I guess, sometimes. Not compared to, like, what you've been through, obviously. What? laughed Harry. Me? I'm the hero of the wizarding world. People bother me at the pub sometimes and I go home and freak out about it like an idiot. Oh, come on, Harry, obviously you know what I mean. All the war stuff. And before. And your childhood. Your parents. Harry couldn't think of anything to say. You're so well adjusted, it's ridiculous, said Draco, his voice growing quieter. I'm a recluse, said Harry. You made divisional head of auras at twenty-six. That's incredible. If I'd had to live through half the shit you did, I would have jumped off a bridge already. You wouldn't have, said Harry, urgently. Draco, you, you wouldn't. I'm just saying. So what if you're not a social butterfly? You're smashing it. Harry knew why Ron and Hermione didn't praise him when he did well at his job. He knew it was because he had gone overboard, and in retrospect, he didn't disagree with them. But it was still something he had missed. Praise, glowing and unadulterated. So are you, he said. Draco laughed. Yes, living out my boyhood dreams of stripping. He raised his eyebrows. Although I guess it's true my parents know I'm gay and haven't disinherited me. Is that a boyhood dream? asked Harry. Oh, 100%. Seemed hopelessly out of reach. What else did you dream about? Draco laughed again. Being friends with you, of course, he said sarcastically. But Harry knew the ways in which Draco told the truth. Quickly, or while busy with something else, or as a joke. In any case, even in the dark, Harry could see his expression. Oh, of course, said Harry, breathlessly. Why didn't you tell Ron and Hermione about me, really? asked Draco suddenly. I told you, said Harry. Draco snorted. Because you're important. When Draco made another derisive noise, Harry reached out to flick his nose. That was his intention, a friendly nose flick. But he had misjudged the distance in the dark, and instead his index landed gently on the bridge of Draco's nose, and began to stroke slowly down. Draco was very, very still. Harry's finger seemed to move of its own accord. It slid down the side of Draco's nose, feeling the smooth skin turn into rough scar on his cheek, and then it followed the scar down, down to Draco's chin, which Draco lifted slightly, just slightly, with a barely audible sigh, and then it slid over the sharp ridge of Draco's jawline, still following the place where Harry had once cracked him open, down Draco's neck, slowly, slowly. Draco was holding his breath, so was Harry, probably, he wasn't sure, and then the scar blighted its way over Draco's fine collarbone, and Harry followed it, reaching the neck of Draco's T-shirt. He hesitated. Well, good night then, said Draco. He turned abruptly over, so that his back was to Harry. Good night, said Harry, miserably. They both pretended to go to sleep. The next morning, they acted as if nothing unusual had happened. Neither of them were morning people, so they griped at each other over their tea and went their separate ways. Draco texted him first. Save me, saviour, save me. Hello, it's me, the saviour. What saving will you be requiring today? One of my co-workers wants to sleep with me, and I don't know how to tell him that I don't want to, without hurting his feelings. You okay, Harry? asked Bianca. Yeah, said Harry. You look as if you're going to be sick. Fine, muttered Harry. He waited until she had turned away to pull out his phone from his lap. He did feel a bit ill, in fact, 
because he knew perfectly well what Draco was doing. Knew perfectly well that there was no co-worker Draco was trying to let down gently. This was Draco letting him down gently. Lol, tell him to fuck off. No, because I don't want to hurt his feelings. Or lose his friendship. I really like him. I just don't do casual sex. Uh, how do you know he wants casual sex? Typing. Typing. I mean, what else could he want? Maybe he wants to date you? That seems unlikely, for a variety of reasons. I don't think so. No, I'm really pretty sure it would just be a shag. Like, once he got down to it. Because it would be messy and complicated, and he tends to walk away from that kind of thing these days. Draco, come on, that's not fair. So, just casual sex? Which I don't do. I think the relevant question here is, do you do, like, not casual sex? Like, extremely serious, I'm in love with you sex? Draco. Yeah, I would do that. Except... Michael's married, so I can't. Typing. Oh, yeah. What about Hugo? I fucked him up. I don't get another chance. I've had so many chances. I don't just get to keep hurting people. I've used up my quota. He won't. I'm not over Michael, Harry. Not by a long shot. So? There's tons of shit I'm not over. It's not like you're being deceitful. Your co-worker knows what he's getting into can't. Because you don't want to. Because I can't. Draco. Got to go. TTYL. It was time, Harry realised, as he reread the conversation for the fourteenth time, to start telling Ron and Hermione about important things. Chapter 12. So what's his plan? Never go out with anyone ever again, said Ron. It was Thursday. They were at a pub. Hermione had cast a few charms so they wouldn't be overheard. I guess, said Harry. Hermione scrolled through the texts again. Maybe he was actually talking about a co-worker, said Ron, hopefully. I think it's pretty clear he's not, said Hermione. But I also think you have a chance, Harry. You do? said Harry. Yes, there's a time lag whenever you mention wanting something more serious. Because he's trying to figure out how to let me down gently, said Harry. Or because he's happy and then talking himself out of it, said Hermione. Let me see again, said Ron. Hermione handed him the phone. I shouldn't have felt him up in bed, said Harry into his pint glass. Ron glanced up sharply. Don't phrase it like that, mate. It was only his neck, right? You said it was only his neck. He was vulnerable, said Harry. I took advantage. Maybe, said Hermione. She sighed. I wish I could see the two of you together. It would be so much easier to gauge. He has a show tomorrow, why don't you guys come? Said Harry. Ron made a choking sound. He gets naked. You won't spontaneously become gay if you see a man in a thong, Ron, said Harry, dryly. That's, I don't, it's Malfoy. At Harry's expression, he ploughed on. Hey, look, I haven't said anything about you being in love with him or whatever, but just because you want to see his dick doesn't mean I do. You won't see it, said Harry. And his burlesque is important to him. Which means it's important to you, said Hermione, with a stern look at Ron. So of course we'll come. That's a good idea, Harry. And you need to contact Michael Corner. What? Draco hasn't seen him since they were 22. He's probably spent four years idolising him. He needs to realise that Michael's only human. But what if they see each other and just immediately start shagging? Then you'll have your answer, said Hermione. I can't deny that I'd rather you fell for someone else, Harry. I don't want you to waste your time. I do, said Harry. No, said Hermione, softly. 
you want him to love you back. He hadn't actually mentioned that he was in love with Draco. Not explicitly. Except in that text, he supposed. He hadn't seen Draco since the whole touching his neck soulfully in the dark thing. But they had been texting normally, sort of. Except they continually butted up against forbidden topics and moved away from them imperfectly. Sometimes the criminals are so clever I kind of want to let them get away with it. Tell me everything. I can't. It's classified. How do people in your job have happy marriages? Serious partners get security clearance. What counts as a serious partner? I don't know. I've never felt serious about anyone before. I mean, um, why is crime always so sexy in books, but so crying in the bathroom in real life? Technically, you weren't really a criminal, because Voldemort had taken over the government. Not till that summer. It's not a crime if it's during a war, though. War crimes? Lol, I hardly think you qualify. Terrorist, maybe. That's a muggle word. There was this whole thing the year before I ran away, with these, like, muggle death eaters on planes? Yeah, don't call Al-Qaeda muggle death eaters. Oh, so you know. Harry, prompted Hermione. Yeah, said Harry. I want him to love me back. Okay, if I bring Ron and Hermione tonight, you're still coming. Uh, I want you to. I was just checking. Yeah, I mean, I was planning on it. Smiley face. And obviously great if Ron and Hermione want to come too. Actually, I wanted to talk to you. The person running the gig asked if I could do the knife act. Okay. Well, I, I wanted to check with you, because obviously it's a bit, I don't know, uncomfortable for you, maybe. I wish I could show you how sorry I am. Picture of a miserable wet cat in the bath. I know how you hate those scars. Look at this poor cat. It just wishes it were dry. No one's ever been sadder than this cat, I'm pretty sure. You never believe me. When I tell you how good looking you are. But you are. You're... It's... What's weird is that in nature cats can swim. I wonder why they hate water so much. Fucking ridiculous how attractive you are. Maybe I should get a cat. Yeah, maybe. What kind? Hostile and disdainful? Well, obviously. I want this cat. Picture of a cat with a hideous, snarling face. What an angel. We should go to a shelter and pick one out. I'm kind of serious. I'm not. I can barely keep myself alive. I love you. Harry backspaced. Lol. I think you're doing all right. Thank you. Hermione cried during Draco's act. Ron just stared open-mouthed. Well, he said, as the lights came up at the end of the show. That was fucking harrowing. Yeah, said Harry, smiling. He's brilliant, isn't he? I didn't know it had scarred his face, said Hermione. Harry frowned. He hadn't realised he had never told them. When Draco first showed them to him, all those years ago at Zachariah Smith's weird country manor party, he had been too horrified to tell anyone. More recently, he had sort of stopped seeing Draco's scars. He barely noticed them through the general barrage of his good looks. Yeah, fuck, said Ron. That other woman was incredible too, the swan lady. Ursula, said Harry. I think I really like burlesque, said Ron. Harry laughed and led them toward the dressing room, warning Ron about the boobs. Right, said Ron, stealing himself. Oh, and Draco's always a bit spacey after a show, said Harry. Hermione nodded. That makes sense, she said. Stage high. Harry had never thought about it that way. Draco smiled so easily when he saw Harry. You came, he said, sounding surprised, even though Harry had told him repeatedly that he would. Draco was disorientingly beautiful, like some genderless, inhuman creature, gracefully sweeping towards Harry in emerald green robes and stage makeup. He took Harry's outstretched hands, Harry wasn't aware that he had been reaching, and kissed him on both cheeks. Harry didn't read too much into it. Draco was like this after show sometimes, ostentatiously gay, as if still half on stage. 
That was amazing, mate, said Ron. Oh, said Draco, smiling still, mellow and trusting. Thank you. Harry remembered how solemn Draco had been when Harry found him that first time. There was a world of difference between how he had reacted to Harry then and how he chatted away to Hermione now. Harry wondered what the change was. He suspected it was that Draco knew Harry wouldn't have brought them if they were going to be dicks. It was a clever charm, said Hermione. Draco laughed and shushed her, glancing around at the crowded dressing room. Are you all coming to Mars? he asked. It's a tolerant late-night restaurant, explained Harry. That sounds lovely, said Hermione. Draco beamed. Chapter 13 Draco sat next to Harry, stole his fries, knocked his knee into his under the table. Frankly, thought Harry, Draco was leading him on, but Harry didn't mind. Draco was louder and more talkative than he usually was after shows, clearly showing off for Ron and Hermione. It was working. Ron and Hermione laughed a lot. Draco, said Harry, reckless. How did you get your scars? Hermione made a tiny, high-pitched sound. Ron's fork fell from his fingers. Draco only lowered his long, false eyelashes with a demure look. Oh, Harry, no one wants to hear that old story again. Of course, the assembled burlesque dancers protested vociferously, and Draco smiled a lazy smile. All right, all right, settle down, children. Ron looked very pale under his freckles. Hermione was staring avidly at Draco, as if he were a special guest lecturer at the Department of Mysteries. Draco cleared his throat. The year? 1996. The place? Scotland. Harry suddenly wondered if he had misjudged. I was part of a vicious criminal gang, said Draco. Several people laughed. What did you do, throw glitter at people? asked Rain. Oh no, said Draco. Let's not diminish the gravity of my evil. It was a despicable group, and I was at the very centre of it. One of those famous sixteen-year-old criminal masterminds, said Ursula. Yes, said Draco. And one day I was busy plotting my latest black-hearted deed. Draco, interrupted Harry. You're telling the story wrong. Shh, said Mark. It's just getting good. When I was interrupted at my scheming by a handsome young policeman, his burning eyes saw straight into my malevolent soul. Draco, no, listen, Harry, it's important, said Draco, no longer smiling, but horribly, devastatingly serious. Harry lightly touched the back of his hand. Where was I? asked Draco, looking at the place where their skin touched. Your malevolent soul, said Ursula. Oh, yes. He saw straight into my malevolent soul, into my small-minded, cruel, ignorant, meaningless little heart. Draco broke off and swallowed. Everyone had become very quiet all of a sudden. You're telling the story wrong, said Harry again. No, no, I'm just trying to remember the specifics. Let's see. I was holding a gun. Where do you get it? asked Mark. It was an antique, answered Draco at once, and Harry wondered faintly how he could ever explain to Draco how charming he found him, how creative and marvellous. It was actually an old Nazi gun from World War II, very dangerous, very valuable, very symbolic. Distressed to have been apprehended while I toiled away at my nefarious wrongdoings, I shot the handsome young policeman. In self-defence, you're telling the story wrong, said Harry a third time, but Draco didn't even look at him. He drew his, his sword. Why did he have a sword? asked Mark. He had just come from arresting a group of Luddite murderers who only believed in killing with pre-Renaissance weaponry, said Draco promptly. That checks out, said Mark. Go on. I was still holding my gun. Who knew what I might do next? 
The handsome young policeman hacked valiantly away at my villainous visage until he could safely escape, and thank God he did. For later, that very policeman, Draco leant conspiratorially forward, disbanded the entire gang of vicious criminals. To think, I might have killed him, and how much untold tragedy might then have unfolded. My face was a small price to pay. Everyone around the table, except for Harry, Ron and Hermione, was smiling again, convinced that Draco was playing his usual game. For years, I hid the scars with magic and um, with the magic of makeup, because I was vain and cowardly. But in my blackened heart, thick with wicked misdeeds though it was, I knew. Harry drew his fingers through Draco's, who stopped talking momentarily to stare at their clasped hands. Knew what? asked Ursula in a small voice. That they served as a good reminder, said Draco, and he looked suddenly up straight at Ron and Hermione. Of all the people I had harmed. Oh, Draco, said Ursula. Draco shook his hand out of Harry's and smiled widely. So my beauty was sacrificed on the altar of my cruelty, he said, with a grandiose gesture at his face. Penance for a life ill-lived. And that is the story of how I got my scars. There was a long silence. Ron and Hermione looked completely shell-shocked. Ursula looked as if she wanted to cry. Mark looked as if he was struggling not to crawl across the table and wrap Draco up in a hug. Draco dropped his eyes to his neatly folded hands. Yeah, nice try, mate, said Mark roughly. Still not as good as the one about the magic wand fight in the bathroom. The spell broke. Everyone laughed, although Harry was keenly aware that the quality of the laughter was different that Draco's friends knew something he had said was true amid all the storytelling. "'You know we think you're hot shit, yeah, Draco?' said Ursula. "'I should think so,' said Draco, lightly. "'I did win the Golden Pictees Award at the Shrewsbury Burlesque Competition, after all.' "'There are burlesque competitions?' asked Harry, because he knew Draco was trying to get away from that awful, staring truthfulness. "'Oh, Harry,' said Draco, with a pitying look. "'Of course there are.' When Ron and Hermione left, Draco walked them to the front of Mars to bid them goodbye. "'Thank you for coming,' he said earnestly. "'It was amazing,' said Ron. "'I'd love to see your other acts.' Draco smiled. "'Yeah, wow, of course. Uh, Harry can let you know. "'He should come to that Brighton gig you're doing Thursday,' said Harry. "'Oh, yeah, perfect.' Hermione was watching Harry closely. "'I'm going to stick around,' he told her. "'Of course,' she said. Thank you for coming, said Draco again. I... His eyes flicked from Hermione to Ron and back again. I can't tell you how awfully sorry I am, he said, all in a rush. I haven't forgotten, I... Hermione stopped him by touching him gently on the arm. We know, she said. I wish... It's really fine, mate, said Ron. Draco bit his lip. You've... You've done this before, you know, Draco, said Hermione, delicately. Apologised. Often, when we were younger, at parties. That doesn't count, said Draco dismissively. Hermione rubbed his arm and caught hold of his hand. Of course it did. I'm very glad to see you again. You've taken such good care of Harry for us. I haven't, said Draco, sounding panicked, and Harry laughed. See you Thursday, said Ron. Is it a different act? Draco was still staring at Hermione. It... yeah, I'm trying something new. It's... Uh, I'm a sexy onion... Harry laughed so hard he had to rest his head on Draco's shoulder. 
you're doing that. I thought that was a joke. It's extremely artistic, said Draco. Tear gas and all, asked Harry. No, I decided against that in the end. There were legal complications. Hermione hugged Draco goodbye, and Ron did a sort of masculine back-hitting thing, and they left. Should I not have asked about the scars? asked Harry, at the same time as Draco asked. Have I fucked everything up? They both laughed a little sheepishly and returned to the table without answering each other. How that boy doesn't know he's in love with you is beyond me, said Hermione the next day at lunch. It was nice meeting her for lunch. Easy. He wondered if they could do it more often. Do you really think so? asked Harry. He couldn't stop looking at you, said Hermione. He just gets a bit like that after shows, said Harry. Remember how he only ever used to tell the truth when he was high? You're suggesting that when he's on an adrenaline rush, he lets himself behave the way he secretly wants to. Yes, said Hermione. That's exactly what I'm suggesting. The year? 1996. The place? Scotland. Hurry. No, no. You told it all wrong yesterday. Now it's my turn. Hurry. I was a confused, frustrated teenager with, like, really quite a lot of pressure on me. I'll give you that. And everything was out of my control. Except for this one thing which was trying to stop this guy from doing, as you termed it, nefarious, uh, misdeeds. Exactly. I'm at work, by the way. Me too. I've closed the office door and I'm pretending to be looking over evidence for a pretty feral murder that happened three days ago in Hammersmith. Seems unprofessional, frankly. Oh, definitely. But in fairness, this murderer has only been targeting other murderers. Okay. So. 1996. No one would listen to me. And also there was this whole thing going on with an old potions textbook. I'm not going to go into it. But basically I had seen this spell written down and I wanted to try it out. And I was angry and this guy, who was the only part of the whole horrible ordeal that I could, like, access. I'm... I'm at work, Harry. I get that you have a... have a right to tell me the things I did wrong, but this isn't about what you did wrong. Why are we doing this over text? Because we might have to look at each other if we did it in person? Touché. So, one day, I found this guy crying in a bathroom, and I should note that I had been following him everywhere and spending, like, quite a lot of time noticing that he wasn't doing too well. Were you secretly in love with him? How long have you wanted to ask me that? A while. No. I don't think I was, to be honest. I think I really hated him. You didn't, like, hate that you thought he was hot? No. Yeah, cool, me neither. Well, so, he was crying in the bathroom. You've said that already. You're a shit storyteller. Give me a break, I'm not an artist. He was crying in the bathroom, and when he saw me, I'm sorry, this is really not the part of my story where you apologise. There are other places for that. I know. No, no, no. I'm not being like, oh, you have so much to apologise for. I do, though. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I would have cursed you. Look, stop bloody interrupting. Fucking hell. Respect the craft. Lol. So this guy, he reacted strongly to being walked in on. And yeah, I'll be honest, I was pretty shocked that he was aiming an unforgivable at me. It felt like shit got real. Yeah. I was so scared. I'm not, like, trying to make excuses. Like, I brought this on myself. I know that. You're ridiculous. I threw this spell at him, the one I'd been dying to use, that was marked for enemies. And it was unbelievably irresponsible. And I should have known better. And when I heard you making the sounds, Draco, I just... It was like... Honestly, it was like that moment when I touched the porky in fourth year and knew instantly I'd made a terrible mistake and there was so much blood and I thought you were going to die and what's really fucked up is how quickly I moved on from it and I fucking resented having to do detention. 
and I know you haven't forgiven me. Have you? Yeah, I knew that. You haven't forgiven me either. You can hate the first chapter of a book and still like the book. What if it's the first, like, 23 chapters? There's really only so bigoted you could have been as a baby. Lol, I guess. Also, by the end of the war, you were different. I... I'm at work. I really... Can't go into all the things I'm ashamed of right now. The point is that I never even apologised properly. You did. That letter. Remember? After Zachariah Smith's weird country manor house party. It's fucked up that I didn't apologise at the time. It's fucked up that I nearly killed you and still didn't really feel sympathy for you. Shit. Okay, Hammersmith murderer just struck again. What the fuck? Who murders people in the afternoon? I know you're trying to be funny, but like, that's actually kind of callous. Yeah, no, I took it too far. I sensed that when I sent it. I have to go. I'm sorry for hurting you. I wish I hadn't. I wish I could undo it. It's not exactly that I don't forgive you. No, I know. I get it. Trust. Go solve your murder case. See you tonight. Yes. Can we never talk about this again? We can talk more if you want. Oh, lol, yes. Draco. You know that I... Seriously, murderer on the loose. Right. Good point. Talk to you later. That was part four of Can I Tell You Something, written and read by Gallup Placidia. Tune in next week for part five. Don't forget to join my newsletter if you fancy at gallopod.newsletter.com. And if you enjoy this episode, do leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app. And you can also tell a friend if you think they might like the show. You can find me on Instagram at letthemeatbooks with underscores instead of spaces, so do say hello on there. Thank you so much for listening.